Hey everybody, it's Jessup Warnock, the Director of Marketing here at 7 Figure Flipping. Today's podcast guest is Raleigh Williams. He's a marketing expert that specializes in merger and acquisitions, so you don't want to miss this podcast. Hey, next week, December 19th through the 23rd, Bill Allen is doing a live challenge. The link to register is in the description of this podcast. It's a free challenge. The topic, how to make six figures in real estate with no money and no experience. The link is in the description. That's enough from me. Here's the podcast. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, we are back with an awesome show for you guys today. I, uh, I'm going to bring something a little bit different to you today. Uh, this is a gentleman that I met uh, in my like digital marketing mastermind group. This is brilliant. When I saw him speak for the first time in Boise, um, talking about what he does, and I my like head exploded. It was like. You ever, you ever meet somebody who's like way smarter than you and knows a lot more than you do about something and you're just immediately like in awe of them? That's kind of how this went down. So, um, and I think it's incredibly beneficial to you. And I think we're going to blow your mind today too with some possibilities that are honestly endless in your business, your real estate business, your flipping business, wholesaling business, whatever it is, um, to think differently. And I guarantee your competition is not thinking like this right now. And we're in a time of massive opportunity. So I wanna bring you like new ideas and, and new information and new ways of thought. I've always been somebody who's like, if you can think for yourself, if I can teach you how to think for yourself, bring in experts to think for yourself, then you're not going to be reliant on somebody else as you grow your business and build your business. And so new information, new knowledge, learning, those kind of things, and just new ideas to spark what ifs uh, is what I'm all about. So this is an exciting day for me today because I'm going to be taking notes right along with you guys because this dude is brilliant. So today I've got Raleigh Williams on the podcast. Raleigh, what's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? That's a great intro. I need to record that, use that everywhere I go. I'm recording it, so I'll send it to you. You can use it anywhere. You, I'll, I'll make a little... Uh, a little MP4 a little sound bite, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, introduce yourself, man. Uh, like, what do you do? What's your story? And uh, sure. I think that'll be helpful. So my name is Raleigh Williams. I live in uh, Lehigh, Utah. I'm a father. I got three kids and a great wife. Um, I started as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer, and then I actually transferred into a and then I practiced real estate law for a short while before I quit and I acquired an interest in a what started as a trampoline park business and we ultimately went from trampoline parks to escape rooms and we built this this family entertainment conglomerate that in five years we started at zero and five years later we start we sold it for 26 million bucks that was at the end of last year and um, as I was in the kind of brick and mortar game. I wasn't a natural marketer. You know, I've been in those groups recently after that sale. And I've, um, and so the way that we scaled that business, the way that we grew that business was mostly through mergers and acquisitions, whether it was buying um, other businesses or other assets that other people didn't find massive value in. And it was actually, in, it was from my time in real estate, practicing real estate law and applying some of the 
the deal making terms in real estate that you see a lot of people do that I was able to put that into a business context. And um, so that's what that's what I do now. I have a I have a business called dealmaven.io where we do full and partial acquisitions of businesses. And and we're just kind of getting into this idea of helping people acquire assets that can help them in their business. And so we have a little service component that we do as well. And the, the group that you have on Facebook and the amount of value that you give inside of there is really amazing. I, I find um, a lot of times people will just give like a little bit and hold back a, a lot of the stuff until they buy something or things like that. Um, I've watched some of your trainings and videos in there and it's incredible, like the amount of information. So I'd say uh, we'll, we'll give you a time at the end to kind of talk about that and, and drive some people over there. But if you're listening, like it's, it's really cool and some incredible concepts. And I think Raleigh and I probably share a similar mentality is like, the information is one thing, but actually doing something, taking action and, and doing yeah. that's, that's the hard part and where a lot of people just kind of stop. So I want you to think about that as you're listening to this is like, um, it's, it could be a great concept and a great idea, but please don't put it on the shelf, like do something with it, take some action, take a step. And that goes for anything that you learn on this show or anything else at our events and stuff like that is it, it, action is the hard part for all of us. And this thing that stops most, like the really successful people are the folks who hear that stuff and put it into play um, quickly or sometimes not, doesn't have to be like immediate, right? But they're actually doing something with the information. But I'm but seriously in awe of the stuff that you put out there. It, it makes me want to give like all of the, some of the stuff that we charge for away for free, more and more and more of that that we're doing now. So um, what are some things, like give me some examples of like mergers and acquisitions. When you hear that, I'm a mergers and acquisitions attorney it seems really like scary to some totally. people and and that's what i've found more and more as i've as i've exited kind of the doing of the thing and i still look for my own businesses to acquire now but as i've moved more into the service based aspect of it and the sharing of the information aspect of it i think for most people what i learned from the time that i've kind of started sharing this message is it, start, it, it starts out feeling very big. It feels too intimidating of like, how am I supposed to get started on that? Why would that be the thing that I should focus on right now and everything that I'm trying to get off of the ground? And what, I've, what we've done over time is, I, I think the idea of mergers and acquisitions is it's just a way to speed up everything that you're currently doing. One of the, one of the best things that I learned while I was practicing law from a billionaire that was doing more acquisitions than private equity funds, some public companies, is he he always asked himself, should I buy it or should I build it? And just starting with that, and you could do that in real estate too, right? You, you, you do that when you're looking at a house, whether it's a vacant piece of land or something else, is it, is it gonna be faster to buy this thing, just buy exactly what I want, or should I build it from scratch? And sometimes you need to build it from scratch, but, whatever you're looking to do in your business. So to bring that kind of down to ground level for somebody who's doing, who's flipping things or doing wholesaling, whatever, a lot of times we'll have people that the biggest constraint in their business currently is they need to be more well-known or they need to generate more leads on a more consistent basis. And what people tend to do is, you know, entrepreneurs are awesome because they just have this, like, I'm going to get it done at all costs mentality. And so they just start building it, right? They start posting or they start using a skip tracer or whatever the things are that people are using in the real estate world. And I find that you can go a lot faster if you start that before you go out and you start building it, you ask yourself, what does it look like if I were to just buy these? And that doesn't look like 
buying leads. It looks like a lot of times it looks like buying a traffic asset or a media asset. That group that you're in, the mergers and acquisitions group, that has 9,000 people in it that are interested in mergers and acquisitions. And I didn't start that group from scratch. I bought it from somebody that had already built that group. He didn't know what to do with it. And so he sold it to me. And it was so much faster for me to have a group with the name of what I'm already doing. And I could go in and start providing value. And I, I brought my own way to make money in that group that he couldn't figure out how to do. And so I was able to buy my way to that solution as opposed to building it. And you know that happened in the trampoline park business that I was in, in the family entertainment business. We weren't marketers, you know, we'd never run Facebook ads. We'd never done any of the stuff that's like super simple for most people to do or like too dumb to make it happen. And so instead of running Facebook ads, which we didn't know how to do, we would just go, you know, it, the trampoline park business is a local, local business. And so we would buy local groups and Instagram pages like SLC, SLC moms, right? Where it's moms all in a Facebook group, like trying to figure out where they should go on the weekend. Like that was our core demographic. And so some groups we would buy other groups, you know, people don't want to sell. And so we would do JV partnerships with the people that already had the traffic that we wanted, as opposed to going out and building that traffic from, from scratch. And so mergers and acquisitions sounds like this massive, like complex thing that you see on CNBC. And it is, and it scales up to that level, you know, Elon buying Twitter, all those things are cool. And like, it's interesting. And it shows that the idea scales all the way up to the very top of the you know, the top of the business world, but you can also scale it down to wherever you're at in your business and just start thinking, what are, what are the assets that I'm trying to build right now? And is there an asset out there currently that I could buy to just speed up my time horizon of what I'm trying to get done? Yeah, I, I like that. I'd like to dig into that a little bit. So if let's say the folks out there listening want to do something like that. So we have a lot of local businesses, right? So we, before the show, we talked a little bit about like brick and mortar companies. We're not, most of us are virtual and not necessarily like that. But if you think of it like that, we have um, like my, my business specifically, we're in Pensacola, um, we're in like Tampa Bay area, Pensacola, Florida, Tampa Bay, Florida area, and then um, Nashville, Tennessee. And so there's kind of like our areas. So what would you recommend first if I wanted to go out and like you, talk, you talked about get more well-known? Um, so I'm thinking for me, like with my marketing background, it's define the avatar. So you, for your trampoline business, yeah. very clearly like moms who are looking for something to do on the weekends, you had a very right. clear yeah. definition of who you were going after. Cause I think that's really important to, to, for the people that are listening to think about, because they might, I mean, just buying any Facebook group that's cheap that has a lot of people yeah. is probably not your best bet. So wh what kind of process would you take them through and advise them to do? So like, in our service where we'll go out and we'll we'll source and negotiate the traffic asset for somebody like where we'll go out and we'll do the whole process for them. The whole start, the whole start of the process is like, who who is your avatar? And if you don't know who your avatar is, then it's the then what whatever you're doing currently to build that organically probably isn't working either. Right. And so you, you need to have a good idea on who it is. So we had we had um, somebody who we're both good friends with Joe. He runs an event business where um, he's really trying to target Christian entrepreneurs that, you know, he has a very faith-based message that on why events are the best way to blow up your business. And so we just, we wanted to get the best idea possible of who, whatever the follow on product is, um, 
who does that really serve? Who's your customer avatar? What's your unique selling proposition? Who, you know, and then, and then we basically go and figure out where are the places that they may be congregating. Sometimes it's a, it's a Christian based group that they're congregating in. Sometimes it's an entrepreneurial based group that they're congregating in. So for Joe specifically, we found an entrepreneurial based group that had 11,000 people in it of just, and they were locals, like a Utah entrepreneurs group. And um, the person was willing to sell. And then we, we do a little test where we run a promotion to the group with the owner to make sure that it makes sense. If the numbers are big enough, you know, if it's a scary enough deal size that it's, you know, you want to make sure that you're not wasting your money on it. And, you know, Joe felt good about how that test went. And then we went and we structured the deal and, and had it closed. And now Joe owns those, that relationship with those 11,000 people. And he can, you know, it's, it's one more avenue that he can use to scale that out. And so with Joe particularly, we were looking at Facebook groups, we were looking at YouTube channels, we were looking at Instagram accounts, Reddit threads, you know, it's just a matter of whoever your avatar is, you also want to try to find the place, you know, like, like for us, we in, in the trampoline park business, we were targeting moms that, that are wanting to do birthday parties for their kids. And so we wanted to, we wanted to kind of own that virtual real estate where they go to congregate to solve the problem that we're really great at solving, which was, you know, that, that's the ideal. That's like the, the core, like ideal scenario. If we, and then you kind of band out from that and maybe it may, maybe you could still get your name in front of them, but, you know, in a different context of, you know, some other place that they're congregating online. But that's, that's the process of who is the avatar like in, in our, in our, just to give you another example, you know, I bought that mergers and acquisitions group cause I was like core to the message, but I'm also in negotiations on like a Warren Buffett Instagram page, right. That has like 500,000 people on it. Cause if you're listening to Warren Buffett and you want to know the Warren Buffett quotes, then there's some chance that you also want to understand about business investing and mergers and acquisitions. And if I get close to a deal, then we'll, test that hypothesis out and, you know, do a joint promotion and see if it makes sense on what we actually want to do. And um, it's just, it's just a way to go out and acquire the thing that like, that you're already currently trying to build. Yeah. I, so we have the avatar of the person that we're looking for. And then the market is like a place. Where's that person hanging out? And so you kind of combine those two and you find that. Uh, let me give you guys that are listening a couple ideas that I had as Raleigh was talking. Um, one would be, let's say I'm looking for like contractors. Like we all have a problem finding really good contractors in our area. Well, where do the contractors hang out? There might actually be a group on Facebook or, or somewhere where local contractors are actually talking to each other and things like that. Well, what if you owned that group? Like, what if you owned the group and cultivated a group that attracted other contractors, general contractors, subcontractors, all that stuff, and maybe it's a builder's association or something like that, or somebody that was building a, a Facebook group? These people don't have any idea what to do with it, you know, and sure. how to modify something like that. And then what you do is you can, you can bring those contractors in and start adding value and then figure out how to then – grab the best contractors from there to work on your projects if you're having a problem. So I try to think of like, what is the problem that we're always trying to solve in our business mm -hmm. that we're spending a lot of money and time on? And so the other side would be, what about motivated sellers? Like we're always looking for motivated seller leads. Well, what if you owned a, what if you found a Facebook group in your local area that had, um, like it was a, a more of a retirement community of people who were like 
moving out of their houses and moving like downsizing into retirement homes or it's like a 55 and older community or even um, even like a some sort of probate group or something where people yeah, are asking I was, on probate. A, I, I was going to say you could, you know, with a state, a state, you know, if there's a state lawyers or probate, obviously I come from the law background. And so, you know, things where um, wills, trusts and estates where people are going and trying to get all of those things figured out of what, how am I supposed to liquidate these assets that I have? Um, and they're going to those digital, to those digital areas, that, that digital real estate to learn how to solve that problem that, you know, and it, and it, and it fits, fits well with, with what you're trying to solve. And so I, I was thinking of the same thing of kind of probate and estate type groups. Yeah. I mean, you could go as far as like hoarders and stuff like that. Like it, it, what I would do is look back on all the deals that you've done. Look back on all the data that you have. I mean, obviously I have an engineering background. I'm a numbers guy. I look at past data to hopefully like predict and hypothesize about future changes that we can make and ideas and strategize. So what were the majority of the deals that you did? Were they owner occupied? A lot of times we deal with um, uh, non-owner occupied homes, right? Absentee owners. So mm -hmm. where are those absentee? Those absentee owners are typically like landlords. Well, what if you buy some, some some of the larger landlord groups or things like that, and then you're the person. So if you become the expert, you're the person that they're going to go to for for it builds credibility credibility and authority inside of these as you own them and you run them. Um, I think myself, as you're talking, like I I very quickly launched a Facebook group for my farmers market and my farm, and we went from obviously zero people to seven thousand people in wow. in this in months highly engaged 7,000 people in there who love organic. They love farm to table produce. They love local. They like crap. They like all this stuff. Like that is a prime place for somebody to come and market to. And those people are used to getting marketed to. And we're, we're dropping our farmer's markets and, and links for people to buy stuff and pre-orders and things like that. Anytime I do a sale, I can drive hundreds of people to my farm garage to, to bring in $3,000 of beef sales in two hours. So these right. people are like ripe for that kind of stuff. Now, if you came in and you started talking about like guns, you want to sell guns in there, it makes no sense, right? <laughs> but if there's another like we decide not to do our farmer's market, there's probably another farmer's market or another local farm that would love to have that group and become the owner and buy it from me. So um, I love this. I think it's I think it's really smart. I, I don't know anybody in the like real estate niche that's necessarily real estate investing coaching that's necessarily teaching this or it's a strategy they're using or things like that. Um, but it makes total sense, right? And so um, so let's take it a step further. Like what, you, you mentioned some things that I thought were really interesting like Reddit threads and uh, YouTube channels and other stuff like that. Um, it, I, where else, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm now I'm kind of like, expanding you can buy everything right <laughs> yeah like um so what would you recommend with somebody like this like uh start because i was thinking like they're gonna buy another company right so i love a flipper i have some flip uh, friends that flip a lot of houses and they're buying like roofing companies or plumbing companies or construction companies and things like that and, and bringing them in to kind of vertically integrate um sure. what would you say to that as opposed to the, necessarily the digital asset side i i think I think it's all about identifying what's the biggest constraint in your business. And so there are people that have scaled out a flipping business where leads are no longer the biggest constraint, you know, or, or maybe not the thing that they want to continue, continue to focus on. And it's all about my, my criteria for a deal is 
you should only do deals that if you're right, you get rich. And if you're wrong, you don't go broke. And so depending on where you're at in business, a lot of times buying a new Facebook group just won't move the needle enough for you, you know, where it's really, you know, fits the criteria of me doing this deal makes me rich. And so at that level, you can graduate out and you could start buying businesses for the cash flow component of them. And, you know, you're buying an operational machine that goes along with it. And, and I think that's great, too. That's that's usually the, the next step in business. So, like, we have a program where, like, people who are making over a million bucks a year net profit in their business, I try to get them to keep that money in their business and make acquisitions in that business that protect the business that they're in and to vertically inter- integrate, horizontally, horizontally integrate instead of pulling that business out, putting it in the stock market and, you know, kind of it's continue to invest and continue to make acquisitions that protect the thing that you've already built. Um, and so that's, that's definitely a way to do it. A lot of people, you know, get scared about the debt aspect of that or, you know, just the complexities of bringing something else on. I, I think it's always about, is this asset that I'm buying solving a constraint that I know is a constraint in my business? And so a lot of times people want to do an acquisition just because whatever, it's sexy or they um, want to get out of the business that they're in. And I think it's all about just identifying as best you can what is the constraint in your business that you currently have and and then what is the leverage and there and there's four kind of key areas of leverage that you can always be adding to your business to get you more scale and it's and it's code media labor capital and um code which uh, code is I, i think of more of like intellectual property like process patents trademarks um, media is content and distribution. So we were kind of talking about Facebook groups, mostly for the distribution aspect of that, that you get access to eyeballs that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, you could be on the other side of it and you can buy content style assets, which are more like blogs and, you know, uh, websites or whatever that kind of focus on, you know, you could buy a, a probate blog as well of how do I liquidate the assets of my grandmother's house, you know, and be more on the content side of that media. Um, capital, which is a lot of times what you're trying to add when you're going out and you're buying a roofing business, you're buying cash flow, that's new cash flow that you bring into your business. And you're also adding labor as well. You know, they've already scaled out some of that distribution and they have the contractors or the roofers or the subs or whoever, you know, you're, you're adding those pieces so you don't have to build it from scratch. And so I'm always looking at what, what does that new asset bring in and how does that solve something that I, I currently feel is a constraint to my business? You said something about protecting the business. So like somebody who's making a million or more in their business, bringing things in to protect the business that they already have. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, I made this mistake in my trampoline park business where I was generating a lot of free cash flow and I would take it from the business and go live my life. Right. And I, I said, free cash flow from the business. I want to take it and I want to go do what I want to do, as opposed to continuing to like view that cash as cash that is, that belongs to the business first. And I, I didn't ask myself the question of, is there a way that I can allocate this free cash flow in either an acquisition or something to do in my business that can continue to scale this business forward? I never asked myself, where am I going to get a better return? Is my return best in the business that generated it 
or in my new Range Rover that I want because I think it'll be fun to have, right? I never asked myself that question. And so I didn't build as big of a business as I could have because I was constantly pulling cash out of the business and wanting to live my life with it. And so I know that had I continued to make acquisitions, like I had done on a small scale, had I continued to make acquisitions, I know that I could have built a $100 million business instead of a $26 million business. If I just continued to continued to scale out the opportunities, like there was, a, there was an opportunity that we had to buy a trade show or buy a portion of a trade show that was in the family entertainment space. And we didn't have the cash to do it because we had continued to pull cash out of the business. And so the, the business didn't have the cash flow necessary in order to like continue to do it. I, so that's that's on one side is continue to protect and continue to like scale out the opportunity. The, the, the counter to that is to always make sure that you're never risking the kingdom for a pot of gold. Like you should never do like a bet the company acquisition where like if this thing doesn't go well it takes out everything else that we've built um we always did most of our acquisitions with like very very little debt if any at all and you know we had a wide margin of safety you know margin of safety is basically price is what you pay value is what it's worth and that disparity between those two is what your margin of safety is and that's in a real estate deal that's in any type of deal and so what i mean by protecting it is continuing to scale it out um, as, as quickly as you possibly can in a safe way that if you're right, you get rich. And if you're wrong, you don't go broke. Got it. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I do this a lot. I pull cash out of a business and I, and then if, if the business, so what I try to do is I try to pull my money out and then if the business needs it, I'll kind of like loan it back in. See a lot of people, they have a ton of equity in their business, but they're not really doing anything with it. And yeah. the challenge that I see most of the time is we have flippers and wholesalers. So if you're a flipper right now and you're doing one house at a time, right? And you're making $40,000 on that house and then you take it and you go, what happens usually is they don't take it and, and put it in their pocket and pull money out. They take it and they go start doing two houses at a time. And then they'll make $43,000, $40,000, $50,000 per house. And then they'll go do three houses at a time or four houses at a time. And they just keep like going up and they never actually like pull money pull out money or pay out. themselves sure. at all. They're scaling up their business and potential equity in the, in the company. Yeah. But then what happens is they don't watch the, they don't actually track the amount of equity that they have in the business. So as then margins start getting squeezed, they start paying more for labor. They start going over timeline. They start bringing on more manpower. And next thing you know, their equity starts shrinking or the market takes a change, which is right. what is happening right now. Sure. And a lot of what's happening is now we have like equity compression in their business. And now they're like, oh my gosh, like I have to pay back all these loans. I don't have enough money. I, I didn't, I, they, they basically working for free for the last three or four years. Yeah. Scaling a business that never actually pays themselves. So I like this concept of you have two options. You can basically pull it out. I don't love the idea of using a Range Rover just for fun, but invest it somewhere <laughs> else. So like, where would I take that money and get the best return? That's what I'm always thinking. I was about. young, Bill. You know what I mean? I was 26. Yeah, totally. I, was, I, had to, I had to make it rain. And I think so, so, it's also important to understand what the business you're actually in looks like. So in a business like that, where like your costs scale linearly with your returns, I would try to take the free cash flow in that business and I would try to find an additional bolt on or something that doesn't have a linear cost structure that matches or that like I'm already bearing that cost structure. 
So like that would be the case of like maybe if I'm already in this cost structure and I add a contracting component, like that's all revenue that won't continue to scare, scale linearly with the business segment that I'm already in. Because if you're in a linearly scaling cost and revenue, you know, there's you, you never have revenue that really takes off from the cost. Um, you have to I, I would look at that business and try to find something that is adjacent to it that has a different cost or like that matches that cost structure or that I can build on top of that cost structure where it's not linear anymore, where those costs are already born in my flipping business and a service aspect, you know, can sit on top of that and actually make the business more profitable than, than what the foundation looks like. Yeah. Let me, let me, um, let me try to break that down for you guys that are listening. <laughs> but so just use it as, okay, we got our, you got our, your flipping business, right? And you go from one house to two houses to four houses to six houses to 10 houses at a time. And you're just growing and scaling. Next thing you know, you're doing 150 houses a year, right? And, and, and all your money is getting pumped back into that business as you grow and scale it over a few years, right? And so if, if for example, like Raleigh's talking about, you add a contracting company on top of that. Now, property management. Boss, your cost now for your contracting goes way down, right? So instead of doing $60,000 of rehab on a house, now it only costs you $35,000. So now immediately you have $25,000 more profit. Yes, you have another business that's running, but that business can also go out and make money in other areas. They can go do retail projects with massive margin. They can do, you can pull, just pull permits for somebody and make money doing that. You can, you can go make a bunch. So now you're saving money in your business, which is more profit, which is scaling your profitability in the company you already had and a profitable business on top of that, that is now more exponentially curved versus just linearly curved. And the linear model just means like, if you're not watching the video, it's a straight line from point A to point B going up instead of a curve that's going up more like a, um, a ramp, right? Somebody that did this very well was Amazon. You know, Amazon's biggest cost as they continue to scale out was their server cost. Right. And that continued to scale linearly. The cost went in line with the revenue. And so they turned that cost center into a business and Amazon Web Services. Right. That server cost that was already built out. They were able to then have other new have customers bear that cost for them and their scaling. So in the house flipping, it's exactly what you said of you have all of these subs and you have all of this labor that constantly that you're constantly paying for. And how can I turn that cost center into a revenue center, which would either be potentially acquiring a contracting company um, that has, you know, a new set of clients that can bear that cost center for you. And with that one acquisition, you can change you can change the economics of your business where it doesn't you know, your cost center becomes a revenue platform for you and you can become more profitable than you previously were. Yeah, I'm going to throw out like insulation companies, roofing companies. Um, I, it, the, the challenging, I would look at things that you're in and out very quickly. Like roofs is like one day, mm-hmm. $15,000, $20,000 job, yeah. right? And so I look at that. I'm like, every big flipper should probably have a roofing company. It just, and there's a never ending supply of roofs. And, and so those kind of things, I like if you look at like electrical companies and plumbing companies and uh, and maybe pool companies, some of these that like, they're, they're higher margin, but you do less of them. You don't need yeah. as many inside of your business. It is more linear based than like how, if every house you're rewiring every single house that you do, like if you're putting a new roof on every single house, um, I don't know, trim and, and those kind of things like uh, framing and stuff like that. I mean, those kind of things could determine what you see is like these big builders that come in, they start owning the 
concrete company, right? So now you have right. a concrete company and you're building houses. And then you, you might have uh, framing. You have framers that come in and do it. And next thing you know, everything is in house and two or three guys are, or gals are running this entire you know, construction business. But they're really all contractors that all they sub out to their own people. I was talking to a guy the other day do, doing just that. So um, I love this concept. This uh, four, four areas of leverage is really, I think, um, really powerful. When I first heard you talk about that, that was the first time I, I heard you. You kind of like laid this out and I was like, oh, man, this is this this sets it up really well for us. And I know like a lot of us, I'd say the weakest place where we are is in this media side, like being well known. This is my focus over the next 12 months is becoming more well-known. I go speak at different events. Nobody knows who I am. It's a huge problem, um, massive problem. Like we're best, but we're not best known. And I used to think that was like a badge of honor, but it's not. Like you wanna yeah. be the go-to person in, in your area. Like I used to like really carry it around with pride. Like nobody knows me, but I kinda know what I'm doing in some areas. And it was more for me than anybody else. And you're just robbing everybody else of your services, the great things that you do. And and to open up you know, the opportunity to come work with you. So. What um, I, I do, I want to uh, I want to wrap this up in a few minutes. But what is like? What are some of these the kind of like next steps? So like they got. I guarantee people have ideas right now. What what like? How do they act on some of this stuff? Like, is it something where they have to work with you? Can they do this on their own? What does that look like? We're we're happy to work with people right now, particularly on the on the service side. We focus on traffic assets because that's the easiest way for us to kind of scale the service. We've we we've done it in the past where we ourselves were too broad on what we did. I think um, particularly in the real estate space, a lot of times it's it's just asking the question to people like I, I myself um, uh, in some house flips that I did. You know, just talking to contractors and, and the service and the tradespeople about what they're looking to do. Um, like, have they ever thought about selling a business before? Have, you know, what's their time horizon on those type of things? Just having the conversation. And I think it's, you know, it's putting the new lens on your on, on yourself of everything is for sale, you know, and and it's it's just a matter of whether you can come to terms with somebody and if it can make sense with where you're at in your business and so it's definitely something that i think you can go out and start having those conversations and i think there's this fear when somebody's getting started that it's going to be offensive to somebody and you'll find that it's it's most business owners feel like it's a compliment you know what i mean like the idea of of I think it's different. Like I can imagine, you know, as a homeowner and a business owner, when somebody calls me and they're like, is your home for sale? I'm mad about it. I'm like, don't call me anymore. But when it's like, is your business for sale? I'm like, well, what are you offering? You know, <laughs> like it's, it's not nearly like how it is in the house and, you know, trying to source house flipping leads and stuff where like just having the conversation, people starting that conversation. I do that. We have people, you know, we send thousands of messages a day to Facebook group owners, Instagram people, and just, you know, have you ever thought about, have you thought, have you ever thought about selling or partnering with somebody? I mean, that's, that's essentially the question because on a Facebook group or an insulation company, they could sell it. That could be great. Or it could be a partnership and you don't have to own all of it. You know, there are plenty of times where we do 49% deals. We want to be a minority owner in a, in a business and they can keep the operational piece. And, um, you know, have you ever thought about selling or partnering um, on your business? And the, the question is that simple. And then you, you take it from there if, if they're open to it. 
I don't know if you know this, but the podcast that we're that we're on right now, I bought it from a guy. Did you really? Yeah. So I didn't know that. Quick story. Uh, I so I was a member of Seven Figure Flipping Mastermind. So I paid twenty five thousand dollars when the guy Justin Williams he started it with Andy McFarland, and they um, they started this mastermind group. They had a coaching program. They started this mastermind group. It's twenty five k. It was me and like eighteen other people jumped in in the beginning. I was listening to this podcast right here as a house flipper. I was doing one at, one at a time. And uh, like I do one a year for the two years or so. And I jumped in. I had never bought anything super cheap, much longer story, but I had a library card, wouldn't even buy a book and paid $25,000 for a mentor. Jumped in. I went from doing one house a year to 67 houses that first year. It took about eight months of that. And then I did 135 houses the next year, 187 year after that, and like over 200 deals a year after that. I became a coach for Justin um, after about two years. And then I became the COO of the company. And then he got to a point where just wanted to change. And he sent me a random message like, hey, I'm thinking about like offering equity to all the coaches. Would you be interested? All this stuff. And then just like send an email like, hey, I think I would be willing to sell the company for the right amount of money. So I bought I bought the company. I bought the mastermind company, the coaching program, the, the Facebook group, the podcast, the, all the digital assets, everything, the email list. Awesome. Um, the, I, I made sure two of the team members were going to stay on with me. So uh, Kyle and a woman named Vanessa, they worked with me then. They still work with me now. Um, but Justin called Kyle and I called Vanessa and I wanted to make sure that they would stay with me if I bought the company. And then yeah. um, two weeks later, we closed. Like it was conversation to... I'm buying this thing two weeks later and I changed a whole ton of stuff. It's been about three and a half years now. And um, so, yeah, we're on a podcast that was a, a, a part of <laughs> an acquisition. Um, so very uh, interesting. Um, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, man, I went through this. I was I had no idea. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. Sure. Um, we just he, he mentioned it. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Huh. Maybe. And then I just. Yeah. Like over the week that I was on vacation when he mentioned it, we started talking about it. Next thing we knew, after we got on a call right when I got back, two days later, we signed contract and everything. I had a lawyer close it. And I, we, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't. It was kind of like a leap of faith. I already saw under the hood and everything like that. Yeah. And I, I, it unlocked a ton of potential. Like I saw the potential there of what I would be able to do with it. And so we made a, a great deal. We're still really good friends. I stayed at his house a few months ago um, in California and... It's uh, it's been a great like three and a half years. So like the business that I, I basically bought this and bought and scaled this company up um, past what we were doing before my own way. So it's totally doable. Um, I have not sold a business yet. I have uh, partnered. I have brought other people in. I have kind of like brought in majority partners in in a company that I started to let them yeah. run it. So I would get my time back. Right. So. Um, to be able to do other things and still make revenue from it, like a more passive income as a, as a um, consultant, basically. Sure. So um, there's lots of ways to do this stuff, which is so yeah. cool. Um, and now I'm looking at businesses to either create or buy to kind of sell up and sell. And right. I think there's a ton of opportunities once you get, it's just like flipping a house. When you do it one time, you're like, oh, yeah. I can do this. And then you can do it over and over and over again. It becomes easier and easier, and easier every time, right? Yeah, I, I think, and I think the 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 thing that I learned over time after selling the business, I went back and I ran all the numbers of what I've made, and you know the eighty twenty rule where things tend to kind of break out in eighty twenties everywhere. Um, what I found in my own my the personal income that I made from running my business 
was 20% of what I made that in that business and 80% of it came on the exit. And, and so just, you know, once you go through that cycle for the, for the first time, um, it can, it can change your whole outlook of, of how you run things. And I think, I think most deals, the deals that work, it's kind of like a relationship that works. Like it all kind of feels right. If, if it gets to the point where you're like, this just makes sense. Like it's totally worth doing. It's not, you know, if everything doesn't go perfectly, like I'll be okay. And like, let's just go for it. You know, those are the deals that you want to get to that, 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 and those deals end up being a lot easier to find when you, um, when you're doing the outreach and you're kind of like, you, you know, the first, first in line and in, in the position to make something happen. And then when you make it happen, it, it speeds everything else up massively. Yeah. One thing I want to say to you guys that are listening, if you have wholesaling and house living businesses, it's going to be a challenge. Like a lot of the information that you have and the, the data that you have, like your CRM is valuable. Your process is valuable. Some of the, um, the actual assets that you have, if you're building like a buy and hold portfolio, that stuff is valuable, but it's going to be a challenge to get like a really big multiple on an exit to sell that company. It's usually a lot of you that's required. Um, and yeah. it's, it's more like churning active income. There's not a lot of like regular passive, um, regular, like uh, monthly sales that monthly recurring revenue and stuff like that that come in. So um, the challenge that I'll pose to you guys, if you really want to do build something that's that's you can sell is what kind of service. So I've seen a lot of service providers or bolt ons or add ons like Raleigh was talking about. So like, is there a software? Is there something that you do better than anybody else? Can you uh, use these things that you talk about code, media, labor and capital? And, and build more systems and processes in or a, a bolt-on or something like that that can be sellable that's not you guys. So I've seen a lot of people out of necessity create something, whether it's software or some process they're using, that they're kind of first to market, they're kind of growing that and scaling it, getting customers on a monthly recurring revenue, and then they can then they have something to sell. So um, usually a lot of these companies are born out of a need from mm-hmm. something else that people were doing. So I study a lot of other successful entrepreneurs, people that sold stuff. It's just like, it doesn't exist. You think that it does, and then you can do it really well, but you're kind of like building it to sell from the beginning, as opposed to just kind of building it the way that you want. Um, So think about some of that stuff as you go along. Like as you start growing as an entrepreneur, you start growing as a business owner, you start thinking about, well, how much, how long am I going to do this for? And a lot of you are just getting started. I think it's real like, get your capital stack ready, like go flip a house, flip two houses, flip three, like get your financial house in order before you need to start like building the next Amazon in your, in your garage, you know? Yeah, totally. So, but, um, uh, just to kind of think about that stuff that I'm sure there's something in your business that you do that you think everybody else is doing, but they might not be. And that might be the thing that the, the, that light bulb to say, Hey, I, I might have something here. Let me go a little bit deeper there and, and, and actually say, this is a sellable asset. So, um, all right, Raleigh, how can people find out more about you if they want to um, yeah, join the Facebook group or reach out to you or, or how can they find out more? Yeah, you could, um, on most socials, I'm Raleigh W, uh, Raleigh, like Raleigh, North Carolina, um, or uh, the Mergers and Acquisitions Group, or if you go to dodeals.co um, and you can sign up for a newsletter there and we'll start peeling the onion back on doing more deals. They exist all around you. You just got to find them. All right. Do So go up there, sign up on the newsletter, mergers and acquisitions uh, group on Facebook. And, um, man, I, uh, I enjoy talking with you today as always. It's, uh, I got a couple pages of notes here. Uh, I, I have, 
starred, more well-known, exclamation point, exclamation point, and highlighted. So totally. it's, uh, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming back to me. That's my next step for the next year plus of just getting out there and getting in front of more people. So, And I think this is a great strategy that I'm going to use myself. So, uh, Raleigh, thanks for, ha- thanks for coming on the show, man. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next show. Bye.